With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. Is your main event March podcast brought to you by the Unhidden Sports Network? I am your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, and cat dad, Troy. And with me, as always, is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia and the main event collector. He is a Jerry Sags to my Brian Knobs, as nasty as he wants to be. He's Greg. What's up, Greg? I got the good one, so I'll take it. What's up? <laughs> That's insinuating that there is a good one. Like, yeah, I got the, the cleanest dirty one. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, do we need to use the cleanest pigsty reference again? Yeah. <laughs> well, man, are you ready for today where we're going to talk about this on this podcast? It's the podcast made in hell and the podcast made in heaven. I'm ready. ready? I um, I remember watching this as like one of the first, not the first, was like one of the first ones we ever watched, like ordered it. And nice. It was just yeah, it was one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. And having watched it back, I'm pretty sure you might agree with me. This is a kind of a hidden classic. No one talks about this one, and it's damn good. We'll talk about it. Uh, it wasn't. It's never going to make my top five favorite Summer Slams of all time. But uh, it, I mean, I will say this: it was not bad. Like I, it was uh, well above 500. I guess I don't know. Is, is that a good way to put it? I don't know. Yeah. 
But yeah, so we'll uh get into all all that with this. We're talking about SummerSlam 1991 today. This took place in late August of 91, where the president of the United States was George H.W. Bush. The number one song on the Billboard charts was Everything I Do by Brian Adams. And the number one movie at the box office was Hot Shots. Everything I do. Well, had to be a Canadian, didn't it? Yeah, I know. Right? Well, good old cousin Brian, man. <laughs> I, I'm going to stick to that. That's my Canadian cousin. But uh, here, but before I get into all my sponsorships and everything, uh, been waiting Roll to crack five. it open. <laughs> uh, we're we're uh, time for college football too. Yeah, damn, damn right, man. Gonna see what them Bucks can do this the year. The only I know. time of the year where TJ can be happy about his sports team. That might, well, actually might be changing with the Browns, but I was gonna say now let, let's hold on. The Browns are, you know, we we've been talking about the Browns are okay or or been you know looking good, so. Real quick, I want to let you know that we are sponsored by Fanatics. More coming up on that in our break. Also, we are excited to announce our new sponsorship from Swift Lifestyles. They are clean energy drinks and focus enhancers, great tasting vitamins, and big brain nootropics that are made and shipped from the USA. Go to SwiftLifestyles.com and use our special promo code Main Event Marks, all one word, for 15% off your order. Also, if you are listening on the podcast feed, please like and subscribe. Give a five-star review, please. That'll help us get seen and spread the word about the podcast. And if you want to hear us on Unhinged Live, we play every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. The immediate replay is right after at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we've also got replays on Thursdays, Fridays, and Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. But we're going to take our first break of the podcast. When we come back, we're going to dive into all the news and notes right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Get all the best podcast swag from the main event marks. Our merch shop offers custom graphics, including the podcast logo on hats, shirts, masks, greeting cards, and more. There are tons of new designs with more dropping all the time. Just head on over to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main event marks to grab your podcast merch today and become an official main event mark. That's redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main event marks. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. Time to, talk about, time to talk about the news and notes from late August of 1991. Well, some of these stories, we've been going through 1991, so you kind of know if you've been following along with us. Uh, you can kind of figure out what some of the flavors of the day are here. We're not going to talk about this. what happens after the show with the Warrior, because it happens after the show. But we, we will kind of talk about what it is if people aren't familiar. Uh, but that that will come during main event discussion. First thing here, steroids are back in the news big time again. Yeah, steroids! Hell yeah. 
Uh, superstar Billy Graham is planning to file a lawsuit against WWF and Vince McMahon, as well as planning to make a public announcement, which sources say will include very damaging evidence regarding steroids in the company and by Hulk Hogan in particular. Entertainment Tonight has been working on a steroid story, and it's expected that Graham will reveal whatever he plans to on that episode, which also features Bruno Sammartino and Ken Patera. McMahon Hi, has... what was this? Was this... It's the show? This Entertainment Tonight. Okay, yeah. sorry. I, I, I mean, I heard, I didn't hear what you said, but I know that whole Donahue one's coming up, so. Is that in 91, get... or is that? I don't know the year, but I know Superstar is on there, and I know Uncle Dave's on there. Why, oh, I don't yeah. know. That's right, yeah. It's <laughs> I actually on YouTube, if wants to see it. Yeah, I for, I forgot about that one. That's the only time you could see like uh, Meltzer and McMahon kind of in the same frame, basically, right? Yeah, and you can see Meltzer's hair. Yeah, let's see. That's right. Yeah, he had a big curly mullet. That's right. Let's see. Phil Donahue, WWF. That took place in 1992. Uh, okay, so this was like the start, and then that was the next step, probably. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, because they're talking about drugs and the sex scandals uh, from right. WWF around that time. So, but yeah, uh, this would be on Entertainment Tonight. And uh, let's see, uh, Vince McMahon has responded to Billy Graham's lawsuit, calling it such a thing for Mary Hart. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Uh, but uh, McMahon called Graham's lawsuit, quote, media blackmail and extortion and says that Graham is asking for over a million dollars to settle it out of court which would set a dangerous precedent for other disgruntled wrestlers to sue. McMahon says that he bought, brought Graham back to the WWF twice after he was already washed up as a wrestler and tried to make him an, an announcer, and that he also says that he paid for Graham's first hip operation. Graham is also suing Dr. Zahorian. He also made him a manager for uh, Bruno, or not Bruno, sorry, uh, Dom Rocco. Oh, wow. Well, the thing with First of all, the last thing first here, Dr. Zahorian, if people aren't familiar, was supposedly the, I don't know if he ever did get charged, I think he did, uh, but he, he was kind of the focal point of the steroid trial, that he was supposedly a dirty doctor, giving ster illegal steroids to wrestlers and whatever, and I think he worked for the WWF. Uh, as far as, if this is all true, which I have no doubt that it is, McMahon brought Graham back twice. He tried everything he could with him, made it an announcer. He even, according to Bruce Pritchard, he had him on payroll for years as just a consultant, basically to sit on his ass at home and call in like once a week to give notes. How do I get that job? Yeah, right? And then on top of that, he says he paid for Graham's hip surgery. And now Graham is coming back and saying, well, I'm still going to sue you for over a million dollars, and I'm going to trash you in the media. Like, holy crap. <sighs> He's a very angry soul. Yeah, he is. I, I He's like. I wanted out of the Hall of Fame because, um, uh, his name was in it. Yeah. Abdullah the Butcher? Yeah. yeah I, I don't. Yeah, Abdullah sucks, but, like, I don't right. understand that. Yeah. He's like, well, it's meaningless now. It's like, yeah, because it was so meaningful before that. I, don't get me wrong. I think it's awesome, WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, but it's like, you know, what, like, what does Abdullah being in there diminish? Like, seriously. I'm sure there are quite a few people in there that's like, uh, Vince, Vince McMahon Sr.'s limo driver is in there. Uh, James Dudley or whatever. Like, 
the long lost the people don't know this. It's uh, actually the father of the Dudley family. So there you go. No, is he I black can't. or white? He is he is black, which means that uh, he, he that yeah, that's right. Asian Christian showed us. That's right when they came out. Remember the Dudley parents? Yeah, a black man, right. a white woman. He goes, "Yep, that explains everything." <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but to continue on with the Billy Graham stuff, uh, if Billy Graham's big reveal is damaging enough, the sources say, or and sources say that it is. The question is how it will affect WWF's licensing and merchandising deals. In order to ward off negative publicity, WWF has announced that it has selected independent company Comprehensive Drug Testing Inc. in Los Angeles to handle their new drug testing policy. <sighs> Man. This would drag some, out for some tells me they only get a grip on that for another almost two decades. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, their messaging on drugs was just like so weird in the nineties. Like, I mean, the lawsuit was going on, and like Vince would come out and say, like, "Well, there's there's zero steroid use, and you know nobody's using anything." And it's like, are they though? And it's like, well, we just started drug testing, but everybody's clean. And <laughs> yeah, right. It's like. Sure. And then Eric Bischoff even complained. He's like, okay, not all your guys are clean because they're like, you're getting rid of them or they're leaving you or whatever. And then we give them a drug test and they're pissing dirty. So they're not clean. Uh, yeah, wasn't totally Blanchard like that? Uh, yeah, well, Blanchard, if you, if anybody, if you can believe, you know, the rumors or whatever, like when they were getting ready to leave him and Arn, um, I guess they gave him, they got mad and they gave them both drug tests knowing that Tully was going to fail so that they could fire him. And then NWA used that as an excuse not to rehire him. So. There's uh, still some, um, uh, conspiracy theories that they just weren't going to hire him and they just used this. I don't know if that's true. Just yeah. Kidding, I heard that. Well, I don't, well, because originally the deal was supposed to be Tully and Arn are coming in for this price, which is why they gave their notice to WWF. And then Tully got fired, and then NWA said, we're not going to hire you. And then Arn, uh, they used that as an excuse with Arn. They're like, well, we were going to hire you as a package deal, but, you know, that's out the window, so we'll just hire you, but we're going to give you a lot less money than what you what we promised you. What are you going to do? Go back and, cr you know, crawl back to Vince? <laughs> So they really screwed them both over big time. Yeah, and people choose to ignore that part of history. Vince McMahon's the evil one. No one else. Yeah, well, uh, I think everybody kind of knows, because that was Jim Hurd's doing. I think everybody kind of knows he was a piece of garbage. You know, I don't think I've ever heard one good word about him from anybody. I mean, anyone. Nope. I mean, <laughs> good Lord. I mean, I've even heard, uh, I've heard Jim Cornette say, well, at least, you know, uh, he said something good about Tony Khan. I forget what it was. I'm not going to get into that. But, you know, he hates AEW, though. Like, yeah. I even heard him say something good about them. Nobody has said a good word about Jim Hurd ever. Now, again, nah. I wasn't there. I'm not going to cast judgment. I don't know. But, like, people even say nice things about Oli. Yeah, he is unanimously hated. <laughs> yep. Insane. He so, didn't know it. He didn't know anything. And when you. He didn't draw a dime, like, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, when you don't value Ric Flair. Like, that alone is like... Oh, he valued him just in his way. He valued Spartacus with no hair and an earring. Supposedly, that was a joke that Rick took the wrong way, but... Uh, again, I don't know. I'm just... Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'm just saying supposedly. What I'm going off there is out of the horse's mouth, specifically. So that's... Well, the reason it's coming out that that was a, an overblown joke is because of, you know, Con, Conrad Thompson did an interview recently with Jim Hurd, and Hurd, like, laughed of it off. He did. Yeah. Well, Hurd, like, laughed it off. It was like, oh, that was just a joke that we were, you know, I was, I was busting his chops, and he, he took it like I was being serious. It's like, were you, though? <laughs> I mean, even if he was, there's enough stuff, like, that he said that was stupid or dumb ideas to think that that was real. Right. You know, yeah. Was... When people believe, can believe you, Doing that, you know, something's wrong. Uh, but we, we'll get into the flare stuff here in a bit. But uh, kind of continuing on with, you know, some of the stuff swirling around about WWF and disgruntled ex-employees here. A Pittsburgh newspaper. I'm seeing a pattern. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh newspaper has an interview with Bruno Sammartino's son, David, who also spent time wrestling in the WWF. He and openly. He did. Uh, he openly admits to using steroids and says that wrestlers even used to shoot each other up. He says that he never was in the room when Hogan took them, but it was no secret that Hogan was also a big user like everyone else. David says that Vince never told him to take steroids, but he never had to. He was already on them before going to the WWF. Mm. The, the weird thing with this story is, keep in mind, this was in a Pittsburgh newspaper that David San Martino is doing an interview with. Well, Dave Meltzer, Uncle Dave, reported on this in The Observer because it's wrestling related. And apparently Bruno got mad at Dave for publishing this and saying, well, you said my son does steroids. And he's like, no, your son said that your son does steroids. I'm just reporting it. Bruno's a real weird dude. Like he didn't have to print it, but. I mean, if you did an interview with him, but... Yeah, well, the thing is, it's like, it, it wasn't even with him. He was reporting what another reporter already printed in the newspaper. So it's like, this was like a third-hand thing. And Bruno's like, it's like, of all people, there, there is a lot of stuff to get mad at Dave about. But that? Whatever. Uh, Bruno's a look, weird, weird I think, dude, or was. Look, I, he's an ass, but I think if you talk to him, it's your fault. <laughs> Sorry, I mean... Yeah. Well, like, like, at some point, it's it's not entirely Uncle Dave's fault. At some point. <laughs> so, yep. Hey, yeah, people talk to him. What's that old saying? You give a, a chimp a gun, and the chimp shoots everybody. You don't blame the chimp. <laughs> <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> oh, well. Speaking of, you know, things that'll shoot you in the foot here. Uh, the genius is back in the WWF. Now we're All right, hold to... on. Sorry, let's tread softly because we got in trouble apparently for <laughs> wrong facts about this man. Oh yes, right. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't know that he was he. Hey, he was signed to a wrestler's contract in WCW. He just never wrestled. Oh, I stand fast on my my what I said that he did not ever wrestle. So maybe he was signed to the contract, but he never wrestled. So we weren't completely wrong. I'm just gonna say. Yeah, right. Well, but anyway, now... go ahead. Just, you know, tread softly, please. I don't want to get in trouble again. I want another note. Yeah, I, I forgot. We, we, you know, we need to be Lanny Popo historians. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy shit. Well, oh, genius... my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> the genius is oh, working God. as a manager. Hold on. All right, start over. <laughs> 
but the, but the the genius is now working as a manager for the WWF, and he's managing the Beverly Brothers. Uh, he was likely hired back as a favor to Randy Savage. No, you take that back. He got this job on his own merit. Yeah, just like the uh, the Rhino did. Yeah, right. Hey, uh, the genius is doing real well. Uh, I'll let you give him another job. Yeah. Is that oh. how the phone call would go? <laughs> Your Macho Man sounds like if Macho Man was impersonating Osimo the robot on South Park. What the hell? <sighs> hey, that's a no. good thing. It's, I'm not, it's not that's a, a weird comparison. <laughs> hey, that's what it sounds like. Good lord. Oh, speaking of, uh, you know, Stu Hart, by the way, you bringing him up, he is on the show. Uh, but we'll get that's to that. That's right. And a very awkward interview. We'll get to that, too. <laughs> right. This, uh, uh, really awkward. Anyways, we're getting ahead. Well, there's, uh, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, the Ric Flair, Ric Flair thing earlier. So uh, there's still no clear picture on what's going to happen with Ric Flair in the WWF. It looks as though he's scheduled to work house shows with Roddy Piper at first. Uh, but Hulk Hogan has been recording promos where he mentions Flair as well. If they hold off on Hogan versus Flair at first, then it will likely headline WrestleMania. About that. Well! Uh, <laughs> right. Shout out to all the impractical jokers. Right. You got where that came from. <laughs> uh, if they jump straight into the storyline as soon as Flair comes in, they'll probably blow it off before then, and something else will headline Mania. Well, neither one of those things happens. So I'm going to go on record right now and saying that the match we got from Flair WrestleMania, wrestling-wise, was... A lot better than that match would have been. I believe that. So. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. And then Flair, or well, all uh, Flair, Macho, and Hogan would all end up going to WCW within a few years, and Flair would wrestle them all. So they go. would all wrestle one another, and I believe they all traded the world title. Yeah. Because I, I'm one of those fun facts I always told you: Macho Man only lost his world titles to Hogan or Flair his entire career, which is yeah, kind of insane to think weird. about. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're going to lose lose a belt, man, you lose them to the best. But Flair's attorney has said that they will take legal action against WCW for wrongful termination in regards to Flair's firing. Meanwhile, WCW is now claiming that they have legal ownership of Ric Flair's belt, saying that it is one of the pieces, pieces of property that TBS purchased when they bought Jim Crockett promotions in 1988. Yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah, um... No. Oh, hold on. Now, to be fair, that was it was never in dispute who owned it, right? It was just Flair was owed money. Am I right on that? Uh, well, no, because I don't think Flair ever said it was his property, right? He just well, said he wanted his money for it. Yeah, well, Flair said he put a deposit down on it, so as far as he was concerned, it was his. Right, and, uh, but it's like putting a deposit down on an apartment when you're renting it. It's still like your property. You just are there. Uh, I suppose, yeah. Um, and the. I mean, I, hey, I, I, I'm not I, arguing. I'm just saying. I mean, to be fair, it was never really his property, so I can see why they, they have an argument for it's their property. I, I could, I could well, see well, that, but I'm thinking more of like when you, not necessarily like you know an apartment or something, but like usually when like if you're gonna rent like an item from someplace and you put a deposit down, if it's damaged or you keep it, then they just keep your money and you get to keep that thing. Basically, you bought it, kind of. I don't know. Uh, and and I think and and the thing is that people aren't talking. Or, I mean, we read a story uh, earlier in the year or a couple months ago about this when we were talking about this situation. Was people weren't talking about the NWA situation here because the NWA and WCW were 
separate at this time now. And NWA was claiming for well, like that's the next out. three hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, the NWA said this is the, the 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 big gold belt. That's our belt. So WCW has no right to sue over it. It's ours. And we still look at Flair as our world champion, so he can have it as long as he wants. WCW has no uh, right to it. So I don't know. And they never did get that big gold belt back until Flair came back to the company, right? Like they kept using that other I one. I mean, that... they might have gotten it back, but it was never back on TV. Right, yeah. So they had that, uh, that smaller round one that even Flair would hold when he came back, which is still funny to me. Yeah, right. That was called the international title, and that's a whole oh, other chapter, yeah, all that. Yeah, that was in 94, 93? Yeah, it was 93, right? I want to say mid, early, mid-93. Yeah, that's right, yeah, because I, I knew it was... Because Flair leaves after Royal Rumble 93. Like, yeah. He's in Royal Rumble 93. Right. So. Yeah, I knew it was I knew it was some point in 93 because Rick Rude held it in 93, so that that was my reference there uh but anyway yeah so it's it's a big thing you can hear more about it if you go back in the archives uh when we talk about great american bash night uh 1991 that one had to be changed on the fly because that was the show where rick flair is advertised to put the title on the line in the cage against lex luger and he quits or got fired whatever shortly before the show Yeah, and then they uh, they switched it at the last second. They're like, okay, uh, it's going to be Luger and Barry Windham. So it was real weird. And then something we didn't mention on that podcast, I, I didn't catch at the time, they didn't even have enough time to get a new world title. So Dusty Rhodes got his old Florida championship, and they put a nameplate over it that said world champion, and that's what they used on the show. It's funny, WWE would have to mock up a world title for Flair because of the big gold in a similar yeah. fashion. Which, that's just funny to me. Right. Isn't uh, Didn't they use like a tag belt or something? Yes. Per Ric Flair's <laughs> book, they use a tag belt. I don't know why they didn't just use like one of their, because they had so many old WWF world title designs. I'm thinking like they could have easily used um, Hogan's WrestleMania 3 title. While it was a little bit yeah. smaller, it was almost in like the same shape-ish. Or they could have used that big, the one he won from the Iron Sheik. Or that, that had, like the the green strap, whatever. I mean, I don't know. They could have used anything. Uh, but speaking of which, Jim Hurd did an interview denying that he offered Ric Flair the position as Booker to come back to WCW, saying, quote, it wouldn't surprise me if this story is coming out or is coming from him. You're talking about a guy that's never told the truth in his life. He wanted to go and we helped him, end quote. <sighs> that's that's funny that Jim Hurd is calling somebody else a liar. Domino's is better. Uh, it is not. You're full of crap, but, you know, whatever. Well, uh, speaking of WC, keeping on with the WCW stuff here, uh, WCW's next Clash of Champions is in two weeks, and if it doesn't do well in the ratings, PBS is considering dropping any future Clash events. I mean... Well, it doesn't happen, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna look up, like, I didn't look up to see what this Clash was, but... Obviously, it did well enough in the ratings where they decided not to cancel uh, we're it. We're going to get in trouble here if we don't know. So, what class oh. of champions is this? Uh, it's two weeks from this, so it's sometime in uh, September. September 5th, Augusta, Georgia. Class of champions 16. Oh, then, yeah. Uh, Horsers versus uh, Bill Casimir and Rick Steiner. Who the oh, hell yeah, is Bill Casimir? 
Uh, I think he's a big... Um, Dude, Steve Austin in the Z, man. I wonder why it freaking stayed. It was... Uh, oh, Van Hammer, Van Hammer and a, Terrence Taylor. Hell yeah. It's uh, Clash of the Champions 16 Fall Brawl. That was... Uh, this way. So I assume this was the first ever iteration of Fall Brawl was this. Yeah, I think the first Great American Bash was like a house show tour, too, so... Yeah, it was. Seems yeah. to be a running thing. I'm going to assume that this wasn't good. Uh, Cagematch.net gave it a 5.5 out of 10. So, uh, the. Dude, uh, man, Brian Pillman versus Bad Street, though. Oh, well, hell yeah. I mean, I liked uh, Brad Armstrong, but like early on, I don't think he was good. Sting and Johnny was... B. Bad, that should have been a good one. Well, hell yeah. I'm mean, uh, joking. It should be good, but. The TV rating for this one was a 3.7, so apparently that was satisfactory for them. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, all I can think of. And and El Gigante won a Battle Royal. There you go. Because he's big, so he's got to win, right? Yeah, right. Uh, what the hell was... I just... Now I'm curious to see. It. The main event was a tag... Yeah, tag match. The Enforcers versus Bill Casimir and Rick Steiner. Yeah, at three and a half minutes. Cool. All right. Anyway, Bill F.N. Casimir. Who? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, here we go, man. A Chamber of Horrors match has been confirmed for Halloween Havoc, and Uncle Dave doesn't know what the hell it even is. Oh, he's going to wish he didn't know what it was after this event. I know what it is. I know what it is. Shh. Don't be telling people you know what it is. We pretend we don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, Abdul the Butcher's gonna get electrocuted. He's gonna get electrocuted and be gone forever, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, funny. This match sucks. Yeah. Look, this, uh, look I don't wanna just, I don't like ever just saying no, but I'm not doing that pay-per-view in October. Don't even think about it. Come on, man. Halloween Havoc 91, we compare that with Halloween Havoc 2000, which won worst show of the year. Come on. It's perfect. We just have, like, the worst October ever. I'm, I'm probably going to see you twice this year in person, so I'm going to have two times to slap you, two opportunities to slap you, so just tread softly. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of done with WCW in 2000. I, I don't know if I've booked anymore throughout the rest of the year. I forget, but, um, gosh, I hope not, because it's painful. Anyway. Oh, uh, you th- sucked! <laughs> basically. Uh, Nikita Koloff's contract is up at the end of the month. And it doesn't look like he will be re-signing. Oh, no. I think he has a... Doesn't he go to UWF? Isn't he in that crap for a minute? Nikita? I don't know. May He might. We didn't research where Nikita Koloff went at the end of 91. Okay, oh, and no. before anyone complains, I don't give a damn where he went. I'm just spitballing <laughs> right. here. Um. Yep. Well, Big Daddy Dink and Kevin Sullivan are also out in a couple of weeks. Real name. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, Kevin Sullivan is not out. He, I don't think he ever left. So, yeah, that's wrong. Uh, and also, Dallas Page is done as a manager, but will stay on as an announcer. Uh, I don't think that lasts long. Yeah, about that. Yeah, I think he announces for a little bit, but, dude, there's only so many times you can hear somebody yell, Good God! Uh, like, on commentary before you lose your mind. By the way, why do we always have a story about this guy? Every it's like a become a oh, running let, gag. 
let me guess. Uh, uh, I don't know. Go ahead. Every, it seems <laughs> I'm going to waste like, time. <laughs> seems like every week or every other week I get a story about this guy some way, shape, or form. Uh, WCW has brought in a guy named Van Hammer. <laughs> He's <Okay>. using... <laughs> Let's pause real quick. Um, the fact that you have a story for him in like multiple different eras, decades, yep. eras, whatever you want to call it, is <laughs> baffling. <laughs> I know. He's newsworthy, he Greg. He must have been a really, really cool guy. Like, yeah, that's it. That's I don't why. know. I mean, in jobs, it really wasn't, wasn't based on his skill. It had to be merit. You get a job uh, for two reasons. One, skill. Two, merit. I guess three, you're sleeping with someone's nephew or something. Uh, I'm going to say he got this job because, well, it's right. Okay. Right here on the story. Uh, He's using a heavy metal rocker gimmick. Here's what I'm talking about. And they were going to make a feud with PN News, right? Am I right? Oh, (laughs) God, no. Here's where here's why I think he got. Sorry, real quick. I'm I'm really amped up and energetic today. Just so you know. Sorry. (laughs) I was earlier. (laughs) Uh, But he's big and imposing and looks impressive. But he's only had a few matches ever and is very green. That didn't stop WCW from signing him to a guaranteed seventy-five thousand dollars a year for a, on his contract. Damn. Yeah. So you were wrong with all of those options you gave me. The it's secret option number four. God dang it! Look at it. That's not really a secret option. It's, it's usually the, the Vince McMahon option. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> but I mean. I mean, that that was why Sid kept getting so many jobs. That was why, I mean, plus the fact that he was over, whereas Van Hammer was not. Uh, that's why El Sid is the most employed. accidentally over guy in the history of wrestling, in my opinion. <laughs> I know. And I, I, I'm a huge fan of his. Before anyone talks crap, I love Sid. But if Sid I, was a, I always loved him when I was a kid. I still do. Always if Sid was a him. different person, he could have been the next Hulk Hogan. Like, Literally, they wanted to make him the next Hulk Hogan, and he said, nah, I like being a heel. Also, I like time off to go play softball. So, yeah. I, I do, I do, uh, I always go back to Survivor Series 96, because Madison Square Garden fans will tell you how they feel. Oh, yeah. And the babies hit the roof when they got thrown up there for Sid when he came <laughs> out. So, I mean, clearly but, something was going right. <laughs> well, Jim Cornette doesn't like him doesn't say anything positive about his ability. He always mocks him for the softball thing and whatever. But I mean, even he he was like, who the hell looks like that? I mean, come on! Like, yep. Mm. Sometimes that's all it takes, man. Uh, Batista wasn't a great promo. He was never, like, the best in the ring. But he had, but god dang it, look at him. And he had that it factor, so. I might even throw out Ahmed Johnson there for a minute, because, man, people loved him at first. There is a difference between charisma and mic ability. So uh, Sid, Batista, Ahmed had charisma. They were horrible on the mic. I mean, Batista wasn't like god awful. He was serviceable, but no one would ever put him up there in the upper echelon, especially when he's in there with you know Triple H, Randy Orton, and and uh, Ric Flair. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. Uh, here's a. A couple of stories I had to chuckle at. This is this first one. Speaking of Jim Cornette, an incident took that took place back in 1987, where Midnight Express member Stan Lane punched a fan in the face, causing serious injuries and a broken nose, or excuse me, and broken bones. 
uh, because he thought the fan threw something at him. Uh, the fan sued, and finally, just last week, the case was settled out of court for $400,000 by the insurance company for Jim Crockett Promotions. So, wow. this well, lawsuit... Uh, it's, it's sweet, Stanley, by the way. You need to get that right. Oh, excuse me. So, this lawsuit's been going on for like four years. That's literally $100,000 per year that they settled for. Whenever a lawsuit goes that long, one of the sides is losing badly. Let's yeah. See. I'm going to assume that Jim, because like I said, this was Jim Crockett Promotions. This wasn't even like Turner handling this anymore. So I'm going to assume the Jim Crockett Promotions people just dragged it out and dragged it out, hoping that the guy was going to drop it. And he didn't. So I don't know. <laughs> this next one is kind of funny. I've I've heard of this, but only in passing. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Jesse Ventura will be doing the announcing on a new show called Grudge Match, which is a combination of American Gladiators and People's Court. The frick? I am today's years old when I heard this. <laughs> uh, the concept is that they take normal people who are mad at each other and put them in a ring with oversized gloves and ridiculous weapons. The studio audience picks the winner. <sighs> Meanwhile, WCW has reached out to Ventura a couple of times to bring him in as an announcer, but nothing has ever come of it. Yeah, it's about to. Yeah, he's uh, this. Let's just say this grudge match thing doesn't work out. I don't think he can. I am shocked because that sounds like an amazing idea. Yeah. Last story I got here. Several bill collectors are after Herb Abrams after a dis the disastrous UWF beach brawl show. And yet this company somehow limped along for another five years before going out of business. The frick, There's dude. so many jokes I can make, but I don't like making fun of the deceased, so... But, wow. <laughs> he tried filling... Uh, I wonder if he tried filling his uh, custom cowboy boots full of cocaine and paying my with that. God. There's the joke. I was sidestepping, but, yeah. You always I got my right back. <laughs> <laughs> I stepped right on it for you. Yeah, it... Oh, man. Well, if anybody That's watches... Rocks. I know some people talked about... You know, they, they weren't interested in the Herb Abrams story of uh, from yeah. uh, Dark Side of the Ring. I just yeah. want to say that's probably the most intriguing one I've seen. It was definitely interesting. I was like, because <laughs> I knew nothing about this guy. Or I didn't either, and I think it. that's why it made it so good. Yeah, and you hear stories from people like Mick Foley and whatever, where he said uh, before the their big show that now the archives, Blackjack Brawl from around this time last year, uh, Blackjack Brawl 94, yes, the one and it only. it is in the archives, unfortunately. It, to this day, it's probably my favorite podcast we've ever recorded, just because it was so, like, the show itself was horrible. Like, it's up there with that Legends of Wrestling show, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. Or no, excuse me, Heroes of Wrestling Heroes show. Heroes of Wrestling, yes, that, that was amazing. Right. Yeah, where Yokozuna was, like, morbidly obese and could hardly move. Jake the Snake Jake the was... Snake stroked a stick. And, uh, yeah, and Real forced the woman to rub his chest, and he... <laughs> And he licked the snake. It was, yeah, it was, uh, oh, man. But anyway, it's up there with horribleness. But the podcast was hilarious. To, it was fun to record, I'll say that. But apparently before that show, Herb Abrams told Mick Foley, who is on that show, by the way, Cactus Jack, he said, I got something that's going to change the wrestling business. And it was like custom yellow cowboy boots with UWF written on the side that he was going to wear during the show. And Greg and I both pointed out 
if we didn't know about those boots, we never would have noticed them during the show. Because they never make mention of it. You don't really see them on camera. So My mind was blown. Yeah. But all right, well, that's it. Uh, I wanted to get that last story in there just so I could mention now in the archives, UWF Blackjack Brawl. <sighs> man. But all right, man, I, we're going to take our next break. When we come back, we're diving into SummerSlam 1991 right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Oh, uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was. Oh, we shared the room. Shared a room. We right. shared a room. Thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go movie. way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do. We do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah. Yeah. Well. What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O-K-A-S. Instagram, also at The Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. Spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. It's time for WWF SummerSlam 1991. The date was August 26, 1991. The tagline, a match made in heaven, a match made in hell. And this took place at Madison Square Garden in New York, New York. The attendance, 20,000. I'm pretty sure it was a sellout. And the pay-per-view buy rate was a 2.7, which amounted to 405,000 buys. And I believe you just said you were one of them, right? Uh, yes, we were. Nice. Yeah, so this was... Uh, SummerSlam wasn't that old at this point. It's only a few this years old. This is the old. fourth one? 88, 89? Yeah, it's the fourth one. Yeah, so it's uh still fairly young. Uh, had I mean, this was considered uh, almost like a second WrestleMania at this point. I mean, not quite as big, but they always tried to build it up, and throughout the years they've built it up to be like um, kind of a stopgap. If you think about it, it's like right between WrestleManias is SummerSlam. So, but we start off the show with Vince McMahon yelling and gurgling at us about uh, the match made the match made at heaven. The match made it hell. No? No. Uh, okay. Anyway. Because <laughs> you overdid it, so no. You gotta overdo it. God dang it, pal. Sell it. But our commentary team for the evening is Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby Heenan, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. And, Real uh, trio. Yeah, this was a little awkward, but I dug it. I love Piper on commentary, personally. Yeah, uh, I think... There were times, like, not during, I didn't notice it during this show, but there was some times uh, it, when they tried putting him on commentary that he was a little goofy, and I'm like, what the hell are you even saying, dude? Uh, and I think he was, like, trying to overdo it. But on this show, he was he was pretty good. Uh, and, and he had commentary experience from back in uh, Mid-Atlantic, uh, uh, 
te- the Mid Atlantic territory back in the day where he was Rod Piper. But the first match Rod is, the Piper. Yeah. The first match is a six man tag team match. It went just shy of eleven minutes. It's the Dragon. No, not Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He is just the Dragon. Uh, this was pre Family Man, right? Uh no, this was well depends. Because he was doing the the I'm a good old family man gimmick in like 89 back in, in the I, way. I, I but... literally just meant the song, but yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't even know that was a song. Wow. Oh, good Lord. It's one my... of the worst ever. You got to go listen to it. You the blew my freaking mind. Oh, man. <laughs> got to look that up now. <sighs> we will pause and insert it here. No, we can't. We don't have the money to pay for it. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> uh, but it's the dragon, the Texas tornado, which was Carrie uh, Von Eric. And the British Bulldog, so three gimmick names, where they just erased their real names and just gave them gimmick names. They are taking on the Warlord and Power and Glory, which is Paul Roma and Hercules. They got Slick in their corner. Hell effing yeah. They got, you know... Doctor of Style in their corner. That's a money team. Yeah, well, I I mean, just look at this team, man. You got the warlord you know all all that man beef you got he's his uh, favorite wrestler of all time by the way real story uh, that um now questioning everything batista has ever said just what the f uh there's you know the guy people don't believe me by the way it's in his book he said himself so go look it up god dang it uh there's paul roma you know the guy that rick flair wishes he was and uh hercules 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 all right, anyway. Uh, I find it hilarious that Roddy Piper keeps referring to Bobby Heenan as boobs. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a running thing for a while on all this uh, commentary. I freaking loved it, because he just kept calling it boobs all night. I'm like, what the hell, man? Uh, in the end, the dragon hits a flying crossbody on Paul Roma for the pinfall win. Uncle Dave gave it two and a quarter stars. I gave it a star and a half. I didn't really like it. What say you? I gave it one star, but I do remember watching this back and loving the entire face team. All three oh, of them. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, all three of them guys are great talents. Just the the guy, the team they had to work against was like, really? And uh, I have that Ricky Steamboat up my wall. I have that uh, that Ricky Steamboat as well. The uh, the the entrance greats was it or finding, finding moments? moments? Okay, that was it. I knew it was one of them. I mean, it might have been an entrance grade too, but I have the defining moments. So. Yeah, I I couldn't remember which one it was. Yeah, that's I I got that one whenever I could when it came out. Uh, but we now go back to Sean Mooney, who is standing by with Mr. Perfect and the coach. Uh, Mr. Perfect says the that tonight, early Paul, uh, Bill Alfonso. Yeah, he had the whistle and everything. Uh, good lord! Uh, and when I when I say coach, I don't mean uh, the guy from the TV show. But Mr. Perfect says tonight tonight is the excellence of execution versus perfection, and tonight history will be made when he takes on Bret Hart. And the next Yeah, match, one thing one of my notes here, I was like, man, they were really liberal with the word history back then. Oh well yeah. I mean and, and when you got Gorilla Monsoon on commentary, everything was the biggest, the best. They're hanging from the rafters. It's huge. It's it's the loudest ever. So it's like everything was just That was their answer to the biggest night in the history of our sport. Yeah, yeah, you got Gorilla Monsoon doing that, and then over on the other channel, yeah, this is the greatest night in the history of our great sport, and Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. Straight hell. Uh, <laughs> the next match is Mr. Perfect. Think, yeah, I don't think you can bind those, but okay. 
<laughs> right. Uh, Mr. Perfect with the coach in his corner. He is defending the Intercontinental title against Brett the Hitman Hart. This match went about 18 minutes long. Stu and Helen Hart are shown in the audience for this one. Mr. Perfect gets his singlet torn at one point. Uh, Brett kicks out of a perfect plex. When Brett Hart is, in, is on his back, Mr. Perfect tries to drop a leg between his legs, but Brett grabs his leg and locks in the sharpshooter for the submission victory. Uncle Dave said that this match stole the show, despite Perfect working with a serious back injury. This was Coach's farewell match as a manager. Oh. I know. Uh, Uncle Dave gave it four stars. I gave it three and a half. What say you? I gave it four. I still, like, chuckle when people say this is the greatest match ever, because I think their King of the Ring match was better. But Yeah, I do, too. Yeah. That was uh, King of the Ring. match, though. King of the Ring 93. 93, right? Yeah. Okay, now in the archives, I was about to say, I was like, I remember watching another match between them, and I like that one way better. Don't, don't listen to that one, though, because I wasn't on there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, this, uh, yeah, this was a good match. Listen, yeah. Uh, this, this match, though, was, was really good, but yeah, I did like their King of the Ring match better, too, uh, about a year and a half, or, yeah, about two years, one and a half years later, whatever. But after the match, Brett rips the singlet completely off of Mr. Perfect, and Perfect flops out of the ring. Lord Alfred Hayes then attempts to interview Stu Hart. I think, did Stu say anything? I didn't catch it. Well, no, that's why earlier I said it was awkward. You can see Alfred, first of all. This is this was funny to me. I don't know if anyone else caught it, but if you go back and watch it, when they show, um, I think they pan over the crowd, you can see Alfred already in front of them, thus knowing Brett's going to win. And I just thought that was funny, but I don't You're know. You're blowing it. I don't know the game of the crowd piece at the end. But then he he talks to him. He goes, "Oh, it's like it's a great moment. How do you feel?" And Sue says something. I think he says, "Oh, I feel." Oh, as you can see, he's very happy. I was like, "Okay." I don't think he said a damn word. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping that uh, they give the rhino another job. Rhino, uh, rhino. Oh, he's getting ready to be the new foundation of Owen, actually. So he's coming back soon. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Well, this one, though, uh, I, and the thing with Alfred already in front of him, you could excuse that as, well, maybe he's going to interview Stu. Like, if Brett lost, he's like, well, what do you think of the match? Uh, your boy couldn't get it done. You know, something <laughs> like that. You never know. Yeah, well, you know I think you're just fishing, but yes. I'm trying to make sense of it, damn it. <laughs> okay. We now go to the back with Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with Andre the Giant on crutches. And the Bushwhackers moving around like they're on drugs. Uh, we now see footage of an er of earlier, an earlier show, rather, where Andre tried to grab Jimmy Hart. An earthquake took out Andre's knee with Jimmy's megaphone. Back to the live interview, I couldn't understand a single word any of these guys were saying. Could you yeah. make anything out? No. And I feel bad writing this, but I said the only thing missing was Alfred Hayes. Uh, doing the commentary, then they all would have had like accents, or you couldn't tell, or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Yeah, at least uh, Alfred like. I'm not spoke. proud that I said that one. Uh, at least, at least Alfred, you could like make out what he was oh, saying. Oh yeah, like, freaking... cool. He just had a thick British accent. Yeah, but I just, what right. I, I didn't mean like in the sense that you couldn't understand him. I just meant like something was different from all other voices. <laughs> right. Yeah. Non. All non-Americans. Yeah. And Andre it was always hard to understand him, and the freaking bushwhackers were, you know, had those thick accents, and they were shouting, so it was hard to understand. It's like, whoa, 
and you know not wiping after they poop and all that stuff. Well, hold on, they, they might have wiped after. I don't know if they washed oh, hands. I, after, I, right? That's right. I, I forgot. They wipe their ass with their own bare hand, and then they don't wash. Did I get that right? Half of it for sure. <laughs> I mean, you can't confirm that first part, but it's a good guess. Like, it's an educated guess there. For those that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, when we went to WrestleCon in 2018, Greg was in the bathroom and saw one of the bushwhackers go into the bathroom, poop, and then leave without washing their hands, and then went to shake hands with people getting their autograph. Oh, I wish I was making this up, people. I really do. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, but anyway, this next match is the Natural Disasters, Earthquake, and Typhoon, with Jimmy Hart in their corner, taking on the Bush Whackers. Luke, uh, Luke and Butch, with Andre the Giant in their corner, went for about six and a half minutes. In the end, Earthquake crushes one of the Bush Whackers, I didn't see which, with the Earthquake Splash. Doesn't matter. <laughs> then he pins up. Uncle Dave gave this three quarters of a star. I just gave it an even star because it was a match. Let's say you. I gave it a star. Don't worry. It's getting better after this, I promise. <laughs> this sucked, man. I I never liked anything the Bushwhackers ever did. And before anybody says anything, I'm talking about the Bushwhackers. I don't know. Like, I've never seen any of their work as the Sheep Herders. So I was actually going to try to watch some of their stuff as the Sheep Herders that I found on YouTube. But... Uh, I don't know. As far as the Bushwhackers, I can't freaking stand them. And they don't even have Jameson with them here, so why should I care? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. said that. If anybody doesn't know who Jameson is, uh, look it up. If you don't know who Jameson is, good for you. Do not look yeah. it up. <laughs> no, 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 no. The first part, good for you. Second part, definitely look it up. <laughs> yeah, I want you to because because. TJ wants you all to suffer with us. Exactly. I hate, like, I, clearly we hate you all. So we give you bad advice. But after the match, the natural disasters look like they're headed for Andre the Giant before the Legion of Doom come out to get in their faces. The disasters get back in the ring with LOD and the Bushwhackers surrounding them. They then get out of the front of the ring and leave. This was the final WWF pay-per-view appearance for Andre the Giant. So there you yeah. go. That's sad. I think they I did. You like he would be at WCW very soon, right? Like in just an interview. Uh, like yeah, he was segment. Or? Yeah, he popped up with. Like, I think they had him with other legends on the stage or I mean, something. I've seen the video of him with Gordon or talking to Gordon Sully. Right. Yeah, he went there basically as like a middle finger to Vince because Vince was trying to be nice and not put him on his show anymore because it was getting sad. Uh, but. Andre didn't like that, apparently. But I think... And, the and whole... yet he's still the first person ever in their Hall of Fame. So, yeah. Know, yeah, yeah right. Right. Well, I think uh, they... I'm, I'm going to say they went ahead and did that thing with a megaphone to his knee to explain why he had to use crutches at this time, because obviously yeah. he was in bad condition. He had to use the crutches, but... Uh, backstage, Bobby the Brain Heenan is carrying the NWA world title, or the real world title. Yeah, it's not the NWA title. What are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, and he knocks on Hulk Hogan's locker room door. The door opens, and we can't see who's inside. Heenan starts to challenge Hogan, and then the door slams in his face, knocking the big gold belt out of, the, out of Heenan's hands. 
Kanan then starts yelling at the door and says to turn the damn camera off. So there what you do go. you want the camera to be on so they can call Hogan a, a coward and all that? Like, why would you turn the camera off? But... I don't know, because he feels embarrassed. I, I don't know. I really don't know. How'd it go for you back there, boobs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we now go to Sean Mooney backstage, standing by with DiBiase and Sensational Sherry. Mooney pointed out how DiBiase repeatedly humiliated Virgil, and now Virgil is looking for revenge against the Million Dollar Man. DiBiase says that Virgil better cancel all celebration plans tonight, and says that he has Virgil's crying towel for him. Uh, so he has a designated towel for tears? Why wouldn't he? He's the Million Dollar Man. Yeah, might as well. He's no L.A. Knight, but, you know. <laughs> wow. Uh, but this next That's a match, fact of life, you know. This next match is the match that uh, clearly put all the asses in the seats. It's the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, defending the Million Dollar Championship. He's got Sensational Sherry in his corner. He's defending against Virgil, the man with the meat sauce, man. He he He's the he's the guy you put on the marquee to draw the fans. He sold out MSG. All right. Now, I got to point out. Um, mm. did, I don't want to jump to the end, but you hear the ovation this man gets. All jokes yeah. aside. Even Uncle Dave pointed out this might have been is, the biggest pop of the night. He is like getting Hogan-style reactions here, dude. And I am not overdoing that. It is insane. Yeah, it's freaking weird. I'm like, do they just really, do they really like Virgil or do they really hate DiBiase? Well, they, had a, really, they had a really good story with whole Ted uh, making him his slave. I guess we shouldn't use that word, but that's what he used him as. And <laughs> yeah. people just at the Royal Rumble in '91 when he when Virgil turned on him, people just went nuts, man. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of like when uh, Damian Mizdow finally turned on the Miz. Yeah. So. I mean, which part though? I mean, because it happened at WrestleMania technically, but it was. Part Battle Royal, so it's like you can chalk that up as the Everyman for himself, but that one got a huge pop, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, and as long as he was working with uh, Miz, that's, you know, then he got the big ovations, but kind of like, you know, Virgil didn't get this kind of reaction working with, you know, Nails. Uh, the well, on the contrary, year. they sold out Wembley, dude. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just like him and Ted sold out MSG, like I just said, so. <laughs> and this one's for a belt. Uh, a what? Goes, uh, a belt. No. Yeah. It, this this is a belt. A belt holds up your pants. Oh, excuse me. This is a cummerbund. <laughs> the million dollar cummerbund. That's <laughs> again now in the possession of L.A. Knight, and that <laughs> is a fact of life. People will get the reference if they watch Brooklyn Nine Nine. He got a, the their captain got this championship belt, and. uh He's like the, the championship cummerbund, and 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 uh, the character Jake was like, uh, or you know, belt. And he's like, please, I'd like to see a, you know, the pair of pants with uh belt loops big enough to hold this. This is clearly a cummerbund. <sighs> but anyway, uh, this one went about 13 minutes long. Roddy Piper kisses Virgil's head for luck before this match, making Virgil Virgil the first black guy that Piper actually rooted for. Wow. No. No. I, I think we've established previously, Piper was kind of racist. Uh, yeah, it's anybody, on Peacock. Go check it out. Oh, wait, you can't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they removed, uh, you know, him painting himself half black 
for uh, which WrestleMania was that? Six. Uh, WrestleMania six. They removed that. And then there was the uh, whole, if anybody goes back and watches WrestleMania 2, which I don't recommend anybody does, but if you do, he, uh, uh, it makes some, you know, questionable comments about Mr. T and makes monkey noises at one point. It's just, eh, it's kind of hard to watch. But anyway, <laughs> when Virgil gets the million dollar dream on DiBiase, Sherry comes in and uh, hits Virgil on the head with a high heel shoe for the disqualification. However, Earl Hebner sends Sherry to the back and restarts the match. However... Yes, I, I, I always like that announcement. However... The Dude, Matt Cardona and Brian Myers use that on the show all the time whenever they're talking about stuff. Wow, I was nice. This. However... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but, yeah, so Hebner sends Sherry to the back, and he restarts the match, DiBiase later sends Virgil into the ref, taking him out, and then he uh, hits repeated suplexes on Virgil. DiBiase exposes a turnbuckle and screams at Virgil before Virgil reverses a throw, putting DiBiase face-first into the steel turnbuckle. He then crawls to pin him for the three. Virgil wins a million-dollar championship. Uncle Dave gave this three and a quarter stars. I gave it two and a half. I thought it was average. What say you? I gave it three as well. I love this match. I thought it was damn good. I don't know why. I just didn't. I mean, the reaction was there. Uh, it was definitely one of the better matches on the card. I, I think it was one of the better matches. The reaction was there. I think the story was more than any other match in this entire card. Yeah. It was, it was set up perfectly. It was it was done pretty well. Uh, I don't know. I, like I said, I gave it two and a half. But, you know, that's just my opinion. But Roddy Piper loses his mind on commentary, by the way, cheerleading hard for Virgil. He's he like is, screaming. He is almost crying. I yeah, am not even right. joking. Go back and look. He, he has, like, legit tears in his eyes. He's like, come on, Virgil, come on! Like, he's, like, losing his effing mind. I'm like, damn, dude, like, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> he's like, gets a chance. Go back and listen at the Royal Rumble when he turns on DiBiase. He gets just as, gets just as crazy. Nice. I'll have to go back and watch that one. In the parking lot now, Mean Gene Okerlund is standing by with the Mountie. The Mountie berates New York police officers, saying that they better do their job tonight and take Boss Man to jail. Now we go to Sean Mooney standing by with the big Boss Man, who says that the Mountie shouldn't be talking that way to New York's finest, but instead should be praying to God, because he's going to be spending a long, hard night in jail. <laughs> hard night. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to More on that later. That, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, we now go to the Mountie with Jimmy Hart versus the Big Boss Man. Um, and before you go on, I gotta point something out, and like I was like, wow, I never realized this. Um, this was a feud between two cops, essentially. Now, right. looking at it, it's pretty obvious, but I guess I just didn't piece it together. Is yeah, I don't, I don't remember why when I was a kid. I mean, I obviously didn't notice when I was a kid, but like I'm trying to figure out was that why they were feuding? Like, I'm a better law enforcement officer. Yeah, I, I think so, because uh, the Mountie was like an evil cop, basically, and Bossman was a good cop. Uh, what, a, what a way to present the Canadian Mounties, by the way. That's probably why they got offended and made them stop doing it. Well, you know, it could it, it could be worse. They could be Dudley Do-Right, who can't even get on his horse the right way. Wow. <laughs> so they, I like how those are the two depictions we have of Mounties in America, by the way. This guy who abuses his power and the friggin' Dudley Do-Right cartoon. 
Oh, man, no wonder Canada probably hates us. I thought we could oh, make all these Canadian jokes. They're just sitting up there laughing at us right now. But anyways. Well, by the way, the boss man also made mention later on about uh, this prove to really enforce his law and order in the World Wrestling Federation. So Now that I did catch. But I, gotta, I, just, I guess on paper I just figured he meant him, not him as a cop versus him against a Mountie, just him, period. Right. right. Well, I, I gotta ask, by the way, this, first of all, this went nine and a half minutes. It was, a uh, was it actually called a jailhouse match? It was, yeah. Okay. So, basically, the loser has to spend a night in jail. Was this two out of three falls? Because it looked like there were two falls in this one. No, it was or, just one, to my knowledge. Okay, so he kicked that, okay. So, I'm gonna have to correct my notes then, because it looked like he pin like the Mountie got pinned twice. But... I don't know. Anyway, uh, when the boss man's theme hits, by the way, he gets a freaking huge ovation. They hit the damn roof. Yeah, um, he was one of my guys when I was a kid, and I loved him. I have a Mattel figure of him, by the way. And a new one's coming out that's clearly Babyface Boss Man, because he's smiling. And he has the hat on, which is the giveaway. <laughs> right. Uh, Jimmy Hart distracts the referee while the Mountie grabs his shock stick, which was a cattle prod. Uh, but boss man blocks it. After a few moves, he hits the boss man slam, and here's where I thought he pinned him. Did he kick out of the boss man slam? Um, maybe? I, I didn't make a note of that. Okay, he had to have kicked out of the boss man slam, because later, he blocks a pile driver from the Mountie, and he hits an Alabama slam, ironic because he's from Georgia, for the actual win this time. Uh, Uncle Dave said that the crowd was swarming to the concession stands during this match, but the work was okay. I I don't know about all that, but uh, he gave it a star and a half. I gave it two and a half stars. I thought this was pretty decent for what it was. What say you? Gave it two. Uh, I thought it was really good. A lot better than I remember it being. Also, it goes yeah. to show that I think Jacques Rizzo is kind of an uh, underappreciated wrestler. I always thought he was pretty good. I, I mean, I, I thought the Mountie gimmick was stupid, but... It was, but I mean, I get it. Yeah. Um, it, it was fine. I mean, he had to do something with him after uh, Raymond, or Raymond, whatever, uh, retired, and then you didn't have PCO there. So yeah. I think uh, but, about two years now, from now. But after the match, the New York police officers handcuff the Mountie and, along with the big boss man, drag him to the back and throw him into a police van. The police van then drives off out of the arena. Real quick, they kept calling it a paddy wagon, and, you know, that's actually kind of a racist term, because the reason it's called a paddy wagon is because back in the day, they nicknamed it that because they said that's what they threw all the drunk Irish people in to take them to jail. Wow. And, pa and paddy was a, you know, a Irish term, so... Eh. Oh, I wonder if they're going to edit that. There's an old episode of Boy Meets World when they call it the paddy wagon. I wonder if they'll edit it off there on Disney. Yeah, well, a lot of people don't know that or care about it, so I, yeah, I think they just let it go. Okay. But, but me and Gene Okerlund is back. I just love how Paddy's an Irish name. Like, Yeah, I know. But, uh, this is, by the way, during like a freaking 10-15 minute intermission that pissed me the hell off by the way because i'm just like dude when is like what is going on it's like it's almost like they had to set up a freaking cage but they didn't I, I was watching this back and i'm trying to like think back as a kid i'm like do i do i remember this like long like, uh 
break for interviews and didn't I can't place it. I mean, I don't think I remember it, but yeah. Yeah. Well, those old ones. Oh, I was, I was so, I was this year's old watching this. Do I remember this? And didn't right. die on me. <laughs> well, Niji Nokulin's backstage where he gets ambushed by a screaming and yelling Ted DiBiase and Sensational Sherry. DiBiase's angry because the earlier disqualification in his match didn't end at all. We now get to uh, get sent to Sean Mooney standing by with Bret Hart, who's happy that he won the Intercontinental title. Now we go back back to Mean Gene, standing by with Jimmy Hart and the Natural Disasters. Hart is uh, irate about what happened with the Mountie, and the Natural Disasters say that the LOD stuck their noses into the, into their business and will pay for it. Now we go back my, to Sean. I gotta say real quick, one of my favorite parts about this is how Jimmy Hart talks about his other client in the middle of this like, not forgetting that he has other clients. I feel like they could have just been like, oh, well, that's the other guy, so don't talk about it. Yeah, right. And, again, uh, they, you know, they're all same unit. Just a little touch that I thought was great. Right. Uh, by the way, did you notice that uh, he did not change jackets for his clients with this show? Uh, like, he didn't I, have the nasty boys one on during their match? It look, I, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm mistaken, so I'm sure somebody will correct me, but I'm pretty sure he wore, like, the same jacket throughout the whole show. Yeah, I'm almost certain he had that Nasty Boys one on. He might have. Yeah, he might have for that one. I, I don't remember that one, but um, I, I noticed throughout most of this he had, like, the same outfit on. I was like, usually he has a different jacket for, like, every client. He changes outfits almost about as much as... Uh, Madonna. Macho Man. <laughs> uh, let's see. Then we now go back to Sean Mooney with a big boss man. Boss man says, what kind of bird can't fly? A jailbird. <laughs> and, and he says that this I proves... I chuckled so hard at that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. But he says that this proves that he is officially the law and order in the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, we now see footage of the Mountie being hauled out of the a police van and into the jail as he shouts, Do you know who I am? I'm the Mountie! Like, uh, yeah? Oh, I didn't know that. Back in the arena, again, Sean Mooney is standing by with Jimmy Hart and the WWF Tag Team Champions, the Nasty Boys, Bret Hart. Uh, my note on this, by the way, is, my God, Sean Mooney's doing more work tonight than any of the wrestlers. I know, him, him and freaking Gene Okerlander are just, like, all over the damn place. Uh, but Jimmy Hart says that his lawyers are on their way to the police station. When the Nasty Boys start their promo, Jerry Sags claims that the WWF president, Jack Tunney, and the LOD coagulated to make this match tonight. Uh, yes, Jerry Sags used that word. Not sure. So we've just established that he's the smarter one. So again, for the opening, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, that this might actually make him the, the dumber one, because it's like, was he intentionally using a big word improperly, <laughs> like to make himself like to go along with the gimmick? Who cares? He knows. Stupid. He knows said big word. That's all. That's yeah. it's kind of like one time where where my dad was trying to refer to like ask somebody if they were like stupid, but he wanted to use a bigger word, so he was like, "Are you illiterate?" And it's like, I can read. I so no. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, after they deliver their shouty promo, the Nasty Boys walk off, and Sean Mooney tells Jim Hart that uh, what's going on. The footage now shows the police holding 
the Mountie up so that they can take his mugshot, and Hart jumps around and shouts like he's on cocaine. <sighs> oh my gosh. Uh, I remember one of my favorite parts was like, was like, you're not taking my picture, no. And the guy's like, your boss man really got you good tonight. What? And he looked up. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh right. so damn hard. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, Miji and Oakland's now standing by with the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. Elodie puts us over how tonight there's no disqualifications or countouts, and they're ready to take on the Nasty Boys tonight in the garden. Uh, Hawk also says that They'll deal with the natural disasters later. After the interview, Mean Gene sends us back to more footage from the jail. Now the police are fighting the Mountie to get his fingerprints. They say they need a finger, and he flips them off. He says, here's a finger. <laughs> that one got me. I was super shocked they let him do that <laughs> during this era. I'm like, holy crap, this is 91. Uh, Sean Mooney's now backstage with Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and Colonel Mustafa. Slaughter says that Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior are going to be outnumbered tonight, and he says that Warrior still looks snake-bit, and that Hogan recently got a gash on his head and lost him that lost him a lot of blood. And now we're wrapping it up here, people. Uh, we now go to Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with Sid Justice, who is the referee for the main event tonight, for reasons. That figure just, just came out, I gotta get that. It's, well, of him in the ref shirt? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one, yeah. Uh, Justice says that he is the, a man who stands alone when it comes to how he's going to call tonight's match. And they show footage from earlier where the Triangle of Terror asks Sid to join the Corps and become a first lieutenant. Sid says that he didn't promise them anything, and tonight, justice will be served. I wish that would have caught on. That was <laughs> That was kind of cool. But all right, something that wasn't cool, I kid. But it was the Nasty Boys, Brian Knobs and Jerry Sags, with Jimmy Hart in their corner. They're defending the WWF Tag Team titles against the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, in a street fight. This went just shy of eight minutes. I'm going to say right now, this is my favorite match of the whole card. Really? Uh, Well, it was actually original when... Uh, oh, I, I thought it was actually kind of original when, like, they were... Uh, Brian Knobs was holding on to Animal, and the Sags got their, like, helmet that they had, and he was going to hit him. And when Animal moved, he didn't just keep going and hit his partner. He actually stopped and then hit Animal anyway. Like, oh, Yeah, so, I know. I was, that was like, new, or yeah, I guess like, at the time. You're not as dumb as you look. All right. For once. <laughs> but uh, later in the match, Hawk kicked Jimmy Hart, stole the Nasty Boy's helmet, smacked Knobs with it, uh, now, hold on, he didn't steal it. it. He kicked him, and I think it popped up, and he caught it. Yeah, well, yeah, because when, cool. yeah, when you get kicked in the gut, you frequently throw things straight up in the air, right? <laughs> uh, but he hits uh, knobs with it, smacks Sags with it, and then the LOD nail the Doomsday device on Sags for the win. With this win, the LOD becomes the only team to win the WWF, NWA, and AWA tag team titles. Uh, in his memoirs, Road Warrior Animal stated that the applause he and Hawk were given was the loudest in their careers. Uncle Dave and I both gave this two and a half stars. What say you? I gave it two as well, but I remember just going crazy when they won. Oh, yeah. And yeah. That's, a, that's a cool fact that they're the only team in history to hold the AWA, NWA, and WWF tag titles. I guess the Steiners would be the next closest one, but I don't think they're in the AWA, but yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh. 
history, man. The LOD were historic in many, many ways. They were my favorite team growing up. Well, next to Demolition, that is, but they're right up there. But we now get more footage from the jail where cops are dragging the Mountie into a cell and throwing him inside, <laughs> locking the door behind him. Yeah. All right. It's going to get weird. Yeah. There's <laughs> there's one more segment, and... Uh, oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, okay. I, was like, I didn't write the note for that. I don't yeah, think I need to no, write the note, because that, that is in that's the word uh, engraved in my brain, unfortunately. Yeah, right. Uh, well, in the ring, Erwin R. Scheister takes the microphone. If my tax auditor had a mullet like that, I'd just assume that I'm going to be going to jail after that audit. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> uh, but the IRS accuses everyone in the crowd of being a tax cheat. Cool. Oh, uh, it is New York. Yeah, so, I mean, he was probably not far from the truth, I would assume. I don't know. But anyway, I was just kidding. Oh, my God. I can't believe you said that about New York. Oh, you're getting a letter. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think we have a lot of listeners there anyway, so have them. Anyway. Dead ass. <laughs> uh, but it is IRS Erwin R. Scheister taking on Greg the Hammer Valentine in a random-ass match that went seven minutes. In the end, Valentine goes for the figure four, bends over, and the IRS grabs his uh, it grabs like a handful uh, of hair. I'm sorry, I just love how you keep calling him the IRS. My, excuse me, <laughs> IRS grabs a handful of hair and rolls him up in a small package for the win. Uncle Dave's nickname for Valentine was Greg the Human Intermission Valentine. That was his only note for this match. Uh, he gave it one and a quarter stars. I gave it one and a half stars. What say you? I gave it one star, but in what world is Greg Valentine bad? I know. Well, I, I think he's he's insinuating that he's boring. But it's like, uh, what? I don't know. I always like Greg Valentine. I, whatever. Mm-hmm. Dave is weird, man. But then again, we knew that. Uh, backstage, you already know that. <laughs> wow. Backstage, Mean Gene Okerlund is standing by with Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. Hogan says that since he won the WWF title for the first time in 1984, he'd been waiting for that same kind of rush. And tonight, He'll get that rush. Both men shout. Oh. <laughs> Both men shake and shout, and together they drop Hogan's "What you gonna do?" catchphrase. And yeah. So I'm gonna walk out of the garden and get fired, brother. What the hell? Well, since this is the main event, we're gonna take our second to last break. When we come back, do we miss something? <laughs> uh, what do you mean? The last thing with the Mountie? That's coming up. That's, oh, uh, that's, okay. That's, yeah, I think you said the main event was next. I thought you were skipping over. Like, no, yeah. we need to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. It's, 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 oh, trust me, it's uh, it's coming. Uh, so if you're keeping track, by the way, PJ's looping that in with the main event. Okay, go ahead. It comes after the main event, so uh, gotta gotta be in there, man. It's a, I didn't make this card. All right. <laughs> but we'll be right back after this break. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Fanatics offers the world's largest collection of official sports apparel and gear from all the leagues, teams, and players that you love, including the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, NCAA, NASCAR, soccer, and golf. 
They even offer esports gear for the gamers among us. You can shop by brand, sport, team, or player. And if you sign up for fan cash, you get exclusive weekly deals. So head on over to Fanatics.com today. Fanatics is a sponsor of the main event Marks and Unhinged Sports Network. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. And we're back. This is the uh, the main event of the show, but not the end of the show. It's the Triangle of Terror. Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Mustafa, and General Adnan versus Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior in a three-on-two handicap match with special guest referee Sid Justice. This one went just over 12 and a half minutes. Sergeant Slaughter is the only guy on his team that can actually wrestle. <laughs> like, Isn't Iron um, Sheik a legit Olympian? Yeah, but, I mean, in 91, he was pretty much spent. And Adnan could barely do a damn thing. Ugh, I don't know. But, oh, I forgot to mention that the special guest referee, I mentioned it earlier, is uh, Sid Justice. Things end up breaking down. The Ultimate Warrior randomly grabs a chair, and he chases Adnan and Mustafa to the back. Like a true babyface, by the way, behind the referee's back, Hogan throws powder in Slaughter's eyes, drops him, hits the leg drop, and that's all she wrote. This is the only SummerSlam match for Sergeant Slaughter. Uncle Dave said that this could have been worse, but it was awful for a main event. He gave it a star and a quarter. I give it two stars. What say you? I gave it two. It was just okay. Like, why? What the hell? Like, Warrior chases guys to the back with a chair. Hogan's powdering them in the eyes. Like, what the frick? You guys are baby faces. <sighs> Whatever. But I'm, just like, that, I'm just curious if, like, that was, like, Warrior, get the hell out of there as quick as possible. Goodbye. Basically. Because, uh, well, after the match, Hulk Hogan and Sid Vicious posed together for the fans. Uh, uh, I gotta point out, by the way, I thought it was really creepy when Sid poked his head out of the uh, the curtain and was covering his whole body with the curtain. Does this look creepy? Did you catch that? No, I didn't. I didn't notice that part. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, here's what we were talking about, by the way. The Ultimate Warrior threatened to do a no-show on the main event, owing it to not being paid for his WrestleMania Seven match. Vince McMahon claimed that he paid the Warrior and then fired him immediately after the main event was over. Here's your money, get the F out. (laughs) Yeah, here's a check, get the F out. I mean, it's kind of, uh, I mean, it wasn't quite exactly the same, but similar with Jeff Jarrett. Because Jeff Jarrett was, like, literally on his way out. It wasn't, like, a random, hey, you better pay me now. And apparently, um... Jake the Snake did WrestleMania 8s, but not for money before his release. Wow. Yeah, I think that's why he got beat so quickly. Uh, isn't that right? Uh, th- I, that I don't know, but I, I mean, he said it himself on his DVD. He said, he, he said I'm not Warrior. I didn't hold him up for money. He's like, I, I held him up for my release because he wanted to be a writer because Pat Patterson was leaving, and they said no. That's, that's all, right. Yeah, it's all out of Jake's that. mouth, by the way, off of his documentary, so that's, yeah. that's my that was his match against The Undertaker. It was short, and it kind of sucked. Yeah. Uh, and that's right. I, I remember reading that, that they said it was short and sucked because they were just trying to get it out of the way because of that. Yeah. Uh, Jarrett's thing, he said he was, like, his contract was expiring. He was going to WCW, and he said 
He wanted his money right then and there because he knew that if, like, if he did the match and then tried to get his money, he had no leverage. So he was trying to get it before the match. Anyway, back to this. Uh, we see another video clip, the final one of the Mountie in jail, where a guy with a lisp asks him, or asks him if he likes the way that leather feels against his body. <laughs> oh. My. Gosh. Okay, talking about more stuff that wouldn't fly in 2021. Um, yeah. I'm Again, this is another one of these I'm like, what the hell was I thinking when I was a kid when I saw this? I didn't. I, I swear just, to I I still to this day cannot believe this happened. Like, dude, spoofing I'm, prison rape, man, that's funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm serious. People, go back and watch this. It's on the network. It, or the, the cock. Uh, where he, uh, He's sitting there yelling, help, get me out of here. And then this guy in a leather jacket comes up to him and goes, do you like the way leather feels against your body? It's like, what the F? <laughs> uh, we take, we now take a walk down memory, memory lane where the macho man Randy Savage proposed to Miss Elizabeth in the center of the ring. A music video is then played as a dedication to Savage and Elizabeth. The wedding goes as planned in the ring. And when they kiss, the Macho Man's theme hits, and white balloons and streamers drop all over the crowd. In real life, Randy Poffo and Elizabeth Hewlett had been married for seven years at this point. They actually divorced in real life a year after this. Kind of sad. Uh, yeah. Uh, this was the end of the actual pay-per-view, by the way, after this. But, no, I will admit... I found the Coliseum Home Video release and watched that, so I don't know if this is on Peacock. It's uh, not. Did, it's not? Okay. Well, on the Coliseum Home Video... It was video never release, on any pay-per-view, by the way. It wasn't even after the pay-per-view. It was only on the video. Okay. Well, what happened after the pay-per-view uh, on the Coliseum Home Video? Uh, we go to the back, where the newlyweds are having their reception. All the WWF staff and a lot of the wrestlers are there, and they're shaking hands and everything, and... Uh, uh, the, even the cameraman goes down the line to shake hands, and Macho Man's like, glad you're here, you little out of focus, but I'm glad you could make it. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what the hell? Uh, and, by the way, Lord Alfred Hayes is narrating all of this. Uh, but finally, Savage and Elizabeth are opening wedding gifts, because, you know, you always open wedding gifts in front of everybody. <laughs> and then one of the boxes contains a cobra. And uh, Elizabeth screams, Macho Man's freaked out. Undertaker comes up behind Macho Man and knocks him out with his urn before Jake Roberts grabs the Cobra and terrorizes Miss Elizabeth with it. Sid Justice finally grabs a chair and chases the heels off, and this closes the show. And scene. So we're going to take our final break. So real quick, though, like, I always wondered, like, after knowing everything, was that set up for that reason or for, for a certain reason? Because Jake Roberts said he was supposed to be the Ultimate Warrior after SummerSlam. Yeah, and... All of a sudden, he does this, so... How is that going to tie in with him and Boyer? I can't remember, because they said there was something, like... uh, Supposedly, The Undertaker was had a feud set up with... uh, I think he was supposed to... Oh, he was supposed to feud with uh, with Sid Justice after this. And then, yeah... That feud uh, would come on a bigger stage and four titles, that's cool. Six years later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like... Because I, I was reading about it, and they said, yeah, it seems a little premature, you know, like six years premature, but whatever. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, so the, the warrior getting fired just uh, changed all of that, by the way. So that's why all of this happened. Makes set up I also feuds. wonder if the Undertaker was going to turn face after this, because, you know, when he starts feeding Jake the Snake. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. It's just right, a bunch yeah. of what ifs. So. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, this time was weird. 1991 was a weird year, man. But we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we'll get into the final ratings and tell you what's to come next week right here on the podcast. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks and at Main Event Collector. The Main Event Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. Final ratings time. And we're back. <laughs> IMDb gave this 7.2 out of 10. Uh, Cagematch.net gave it 6.24 out of 10. I give it 6.5 out of 10 for a D. What say you? I give it a B minus. I love the pay per view. From a nostalgia point of view, I can see why you would li- would really like it. Uh, I try to put that aside. Watching it, I think this there was a lot of reasons this was good. Even some of the matches weren't that great, but. Yeah, the uh, the opener was fine, perfect, and and heart was great. Uh, the disasters and bushwhackers wasn't good. DiBiase and Virgil was yes. wow. Uh, DiBiase and uh, Virgil was good, uh, really good. Mountie and Bossman was good. Uh, just I don't know. There was an LOD I nasty mean, boys. Yeah, also there was a lot of story too. So a lot. Yeah. Right. So, like, almost every match had a really great story. So, it's like, for that reason alone, I think Yeah, this was definitely a story-building show, for sure. Uh, and, and a lot of things changed, uh, at, you know, at the end. I don't know. It, all in all, I, I wasn't, like, super into it, uh, as far as, like, I, I didn't think it was, like, amazing. It, I don't think it was bad, though. 1991 was just, I don't know, I feel like it was a weird year all the way around for a lot of reasons for every company. But there was some good stuff to be had, for sure. I, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, it's not one of my tops, but it, it's uh, heavily recommended, I'd say. We do have another SummerSlam coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm I'm fired up about talking I'm going about. to SummerSlam in a couple of weeks. Yeah, there you go. Well, next week, we're, uh, well, we're bookending SummerSlam 91 with some not-so-awesome shows. Although, I am kind of looking forward to watching this one. The card looks pretty decent. Next week, we are reviewing ECW's Heat Wave 1998. Yeah. The card for that one actually does not look bad. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to watching it's some still of it. an ECW show, though, so you have yeah. to go on with that in mind. Right. And it, it's got to be better than Heat Wave 99. Now in the archives, by the way. But Heatwave 1998 was, I mean, you've got Just Incredible versus Jerry Lynn, Chris Candido versus Lance Storm, uh, Tanaka and Awesome, RVD and Sabu versus Hayabusa and Jinsei, uh, Shinzake, and Taz versus Bam Bam Bigelow. I mean, all in all, it looks like a pretty decent card. I like a lot of the guys that are on this show. So I'm, for once, I'm not dreading watching an ECW show. Oh, that makes one of us. <laughs> wow. 
but yeah, like I said, the, the card's pretty good. Maybe we won't completely crap on this one from start to finish, but you'll have to tune in to find out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's next week, and we are actually bringing you two extreme shows next week because I can't believe we're already about to be in uh, double main event week, man. It's bonus show week next week where we bring you TNA Hardcore Justice 2010. I remember yeah. watching that one live. I think I watched it with you. Yeah, it was the ECW tribute show, basically, from TNA. So, yeah. Let's turn down the lights and uh, hit each other with inanimate objects. Dude, Cojones was on the show. Yeah, his name got booed. <laughs> That's not what they were booing, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you get two ECW shows for the price of one next week. Man, we're some lucky SOBs, Greg. No, so the, listeners. the listeners are the ones. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be good, some, some good stuff next week. It's double main event time. Uh, by the way, we're closing out the month in two weeks with SummerSlam 2005. So that is uh, Legend versus Icon. It's uh, Hulk Hogan versus Shawn Michaels next week. So... Or in uh, in two weeks. So, all right, man. Uh, I think this was a good palate cleanser after watching, uh, having to watch New Blood Rising last week. That was disgusting in multiple ways. So, uh, thanks for joining me on this one, man. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it definitely was. To wrap up the show, I just want to remind everybody to like and subscribe if you're listening on the podcast feed. We're also live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. And also click the links down in the podcast description. We're brought to you by Fubo TV, Fanatics, and Swift Lifestyles. Next week, we're coming at you, double main event with Heatwave 1998 and Hardcore Justice 2005. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 